we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. This is a special episode in which, rather than having strictly just the QIL sitting around the microphone this week, we've got two special guests. We have a comedian from Brooklyn, New York, originally from Boston, Alex Edelman. Hi. Who, amongst uh, interesting things you've got going on, it's uh, you've got a current text relationship with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, you once severely <laughs> angered Neil Armstrong in a lift. Yep. Um, what else is there? There's, there's plenty more other stuff. And we're also joined by the historical consultant from the Horrible Histories TV series, Greg Jenner, who, outside of that, if you hang out with Greg Jenner, as Alex will know, at any kind of social event, is mobbed like a rock star, basically. Yeah. You just have wow. groupies. He has fans coming up to him. Are you having a else. relationship with any um, American celebrity females? Sadly not. Uh, George Washington's the as I get. An American <laughs> relationship. <laughs> uh, so also joining us, we have James Harkin. Uh, and uh, doing all the fact-checking as we go along today is Anna Chizinski. Uh, oh, and I'm Dan. So we should start by saying that um, this is the first time you've been to the office, Greg. It is. To the QI offices. Yeah. Uh, this is not the first time Alex has been. Alex is, uh, you're almost like a part of the family now. I'm going to try to cut down because I, I... Well, and you're going back to America tomorrow, so... Yeah, I don't think that counts as trying to cut down. <laughs> but I'll be back, I'll be back at the end of, uh, of this month. Basically, as soon as Alex comes in the office, that's the end of work for the desk. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, this office is like the is like what I would like the inside of my mind to look like. Just neatly ordered and filled with facts, all categorized. Like, literally, I feel like you could find any fact in this office. Because there's a lot. Well, there's just... There's a lot of books. Yeah. There's a lot of folders. Oh. There's, there's, we've got the internet. And everyone's got... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... I was going to say, technically, it could just be a closet with a laptop. And, yeah. still, and that would still hold true. So, okay, well, uh, so, as this is a special one, uh, maybe we'll start with, uh, yeah, we'll start with you, Greg. Oh, good, at least the third one. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's begin with a sort of rambling, incoherent... Yeah, I, I read the thing. expert, that's what I would say. The expert, oh, well, no. just give us what, it's, it's your favourite thing that's kind of on your mind this week, the fact oh, that you've learned. This is my first week off after writing my book, my first ever book, so ah, I've, I've been trying... Come up? I think it comes out next year. Are I, you allowed to say anything about the book, like the yeah, title? Yeah, I, I can tell you the title. Yes. Um... It's called One Million Years in a Day, Stone Age to Phone Age. It's the range, and it's oh, sort of structured around a modern nice Saturday. Line. That's so great. Cool. Stone Age to Phone Age. Stone Age to Phone Age. Why get the groupies? No, I thought um, I just uh, something I just put in the book, and I thought it's quite an interesting fact. Really, is that the the earliest known dentistry is nine thousand years old. Uh, this is back in the sort of Neolithic, really. <sighs> It's like um, mammoths were walking the earth. With dentures. So we're talking here in, uh, I suppose, modern-day Pakistan is what we call it. It's a place called uh, Megar, I suppose. Is not, my pronunciation's not great, but archaeologists have found teeth which have been drilled. And they've been, sort of, you know, it's the earliest, really, sort of fillings or, or sort wow. of early drilling technique using a bow drill, which is, you know, just a sort of whittling bit of sharp stick. Uh, which is a technique used really for jewellery. So and not even teeth cleaning, like because I knew that the Egyptians yeah. had horsehair toothbrushes. Well, yeah. Even reparative dentistry goes back that far. So well, this this would be medicinal dentistry. This would be pain relief. Uh, yeah, I guess it's an obvious thing because they, people would have been in so much pain, wouldn't they? Yeah. Although I remember reading that 
like sugar, cane sugar, came in relatively late, so people didn't have as bad teeth mm. in the Neolithic well, time as they have today. It's interesting, right? actually. There's been a couple of uh, major studies in the past couple of years that have shown that's not really true, actually. There's an awful oh. lot of dental... Wear and tear. Wear and tear, but also sugar-based, actually, because there's oh. quite a lot of sugar in, in natural fruits mm. and so forth. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and obviously, if you're not brushing your teeth every day, it will build up. It erodes. Is it complex sugars that really do harm, though? Yeah, I mean, the worst dentistry in history, I think, if you were, gonna, if you were sort of elect an era, I would say probably the 18th century, the, the Georgians. The 18th century is where dentistry begins as a modern discipline, but it's also where, really, dentistry, like, teeth were at their worst. Um, if you look at portraits, no one smiles. Yes. Yeah. Until the first ever smile. I can't remember, as a female artist, a French female artist. I think Ooh. it's Lebrun, I think, maybe. Could you check that out? Marie Lebrun, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, it's a really famous painting, and it's very controversial, because I think it's a self-portrait, and I think she's grinning. Wow. She's, she's sort of got and is the reason grin. you didn't grin before, because your teeth were so your bad? Your teeth or? were awful. Um, I mean, who so was it who used urine for mouthwash? Was that the Romans. The Romans, Romans. Romans. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Sensible. Wow. So it's not just me. Romans brushed their teeth, to a certain extent. Uh, they, they used rags. I mean, the Egyptians didn't do uh, dental surgery, particularly. They did. They were very good dentists. In fact, the first known dentists in, in human history, the first named Dentists are Egyptian. Um, they, okay. they found, I think, in 2006, I think they found a tomb with three named dentists on the wall, sort of, wow. you know, written in. So, what, like, were... like a company name? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, Shulman and, yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> dentists of the pharaohs. Um, and they were, they were royal dentists. So they were sort of official dentists to a pharaoh, and they, uh, the, these three guys were clearly sort of official tooth prodders. There was a recent uh, meta-study done on Egyptian mummies. I think 40%, if I remember, the, I might be wrong, but I think 40% had serious dental disease. Wow. And dental disease can kill you. My father's a physician, mm-hmm. and he says something really interesting, that, that historically, the people who get the worst care are the famous and the wealthy. Because what he's, he's, being, he's being ironic. What he's saying is, um, typically... Uh, famous people have been killed by over-medicating or over-operating or, or too much complex treatment. Like, as soon as they... Like, the body will repair itself. We talked in an earlier podcast about James Garfield, who mm-hmm. was yeah. um, prodded dirty, a lot. Dirty right. fingers in the yeah. wound and stuff like that. My father gave a TED Talk on it, which is actually really interesting. Yeah, his name is Alice Reitelman. So I wonder if, if, if those pharaohs were receiving, A, a lot of dental attention or be getting such rich food that they were... Well, that's the big question. So, yeah. rich, so the, the, the quality of food, obviously, is going to affect things. I mean, uh, Ertzi, the Iceman, found in uh, Tyrolean Alps, he had really, really messed up teeth. What was the fact that you were saying about the baseball player? <laughs> hmm. I, I can't remember his name, but it was a baseball player who was um, who had to be taken out of the game because he bit himself on his own ass. And what happened was he yeah. slid into the final base and his false teeth fell out oh. and landed mm-hmm. on them. I'm sure you know about it. But so what we were saying, though, is that is that he must That's have been cool. in his 20s, right? But yet there he was with a full set of false teeth because that was a thing that happened. Had his teeth been knocked out? It was the 1920s. He, apparently he's not, his, he was called Clarence Blethen and Good he's name. now called Clarence Climax Blethen. I don't really understand wow, why he's born there. He had a really particular gimmick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no teeth, you say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alex, I have to tell you, just as an American and a baseball fan, yeah. you, if you don't know this, it's my favorite baseball fact. So, did you know Lou Gehrig? So, well, I know the disease. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He really now, should have seen that one coming. Yeah, yeah. But so this is what's fantastic about it. Turns out that Lou Gehrig didn't die of Lou Gehrig's Mm -hmm. disease. So the disease named after him, he didn't have. There's an interesting Wikipedia list of people who have been killed 
by already deceased people. My favorite one is someone killed not by a deceased person, but by a deceased animal, a really notorious poacher in Montana. This is a story that people in Montana like to tell. And like this poacher outside of Helena, he was um, he was really famous for shooting deer, and people told him that there was one particular deer that he'd never be able to get, and he wounded it a whole bunch of times. And finally, he spotted it on a bluff across over over him, and he shot it, and he turned around to celebrate, and the deer bounced all the way down and landed on him and killed him, <laughs> and the deer survived. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, the guy didn't. Um, we should move on to another fact. Yeah. Uh, well, just just quickly to yes. uh, satisfy you, obviously, um, Greg was right. I mean, he's a historian. About the first ever smile in a portrait it was in 1787. There's a quite funny, the court gossip sheet at the time said, an affectation which artists, art lovers and persons of taste have been united in condemning and which finds no precedent among the ancients is that in smiling she shows her teeth. So, you know, pretty outrageous. I saw an amazing um, collection of photos from a period pre-smile where they did all the grim kind of straight face looking. And it's outtake photos where the families crack up and they're laughing. And it's so interesting because it's the first time where you see the real personalities. Of this is so interesting. It's really coming cool. Through. Yeah, where they're just, they're properly laughing out loud. And clearly the person's like, well, this is unusable. <laughs> like, you don't look creepy yeah, and you don't no. look sullen. Yeah. <laughs> Michael smiled. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a dick, Michael. How <laughs> Let's move on to our uh, second fact. I, w- I want to throw in my, my fact here, okay. uh, particularly because I want to hear your thoughts on this, Greg. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a theory from a guy called Dr. Hans Ulrich Neimitz, which oh, is no. that the Middle Ages never happened. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so it's a thing called phantom time theory. It's basically his alleges that it was just made up. Are you sure that the guy is Dr. Hans Ulrich? <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people believe it. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of idiots believe it. But um, it's, <laughs> according to them, 614 to 911 AD right. did not happen. Did not happen. We're going through it now. What is the basis for this theory? This is he madness. He thinks it's a conspiracy of the calendar. Brilliant. That, yeah, and, <laughs> and so what his suggestion is as well is that the things that were supposed to have happened in the Middle Ages, people at the time removed them from that bit of history and created a fiction of these 300 years. I think he said Charlemagne just never existed. Wow. It's a fictional character. So right. basically half of the things that you do for a living yeah. like, just... My master's degree is... <laughs> yeah. It's a fictional... Yeah. I'll give you some direct uh, sort of from this article. It seems that historians are plagued by a plethora of falsified documents from the Middle Ages. Some documents forged by the Roman Catholic Church during the Middle Ages were created hundreds of years before their great moments arrived after which they were embraced by medieval society. This implied that whoever produced these forgeries must have very skillfully anticipated the future. Or there was some discrepancy in calculating dates. Wowzers. So, where does he stand on the Vikings? Um, <laughs> they, what Vikings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they not burn down Lindisfarne. They didn't know what happened. Lindisfarne wasn't attacked. It was just he just didn't happen. And yeah, no Charlemagne and uh, no Charlemagne. Alfred the Great. Was no just, Crusades. Was, he says that he says that maybe Alfred the Great uh, was in a different period of time. Maybe the Vikings. You know, maybe they were. Just the year before. <laughs> the year before. <laughs> yeah. So he, he stops at 9-11, does he? Yeah, 9/11 he stops the, at 9-11. Oh, he stops at 9 No wonder oh. the conspiracy theorists So 9-11 that. is the year that the Vikings uh, conquer Normandy and become the Normans. It's Rollo, oh. King Rollo, who, uh, who founds the Norman dynasty. Huh. 9-11 is the you, the Vikings become Normans, and the Normans, of course, become William the Conqueror, and that becomes our first dynasty of English medieval kings. So 9-11 is a good year. But this goes with the thing that you like, Dan, which is that... 
if you come up with an idea or a conspiracy, then you can always seem to fit in. You can find facts yeah. into whatever your theory is. And yeah. You can imagine if you said to him, "What you know? What about the Vikings?" He would have an answer. He won't have an answer. Yeah. Because you know numerology it's... in the Bible, isn't it? People sort of try to find patterns in the Bible, and you sort of go, "You do realize it's been retranslated loads of times." <laughs> So, all right, final question then. Is there any truth that the Middle Ages <laughs> didn't happen? I would be deeply, deeply upset if the Middle Ages didn't happen. So you're going to say well, that I mean, it did so Would you really? Yeah, I would, actually. But would it make a bit... What, was, what would be the difference? I've just my life on it existing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'd be, I'd be intrigued. I mean, it's true, we should be very deeply suspicious and sceptical of the past, and one of the things that historians do is we... we, we rigorously interrogate documents and we're always trying to disprove them. We try to apply that sort of scientific methodology of saying how do we know this is true and, and that's what great scholarship is but you don't destroy all things. Mm, you're, just, no. you're just trying to question them and say okay and obviously there were problems with forgeries. A monastery for example would be given land and they would lose the document and then a king would turn up going brilliant I'm having your land back and they'd be like no 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 we, this is ours we've always had it so they'd forge a document Yeah. and then we get the forgery great. and then I we... Read that. I read that, um, you know, Andorra, the country, yeah. uh, they have a constitution, um, but it's in a safe in Andorra somewhere, and a lot of historians think that it's fake. Really? You heard that before? No, no. I haven't. Faking what's it? Like, it doesn't exist at uh, all? As in, yeah, it's a modern reproduction, because they don't have the, they don't have the historical basis that they think they have because it was it was one of those states that came in to buffer from the from 15th century yeah, wars yeah exactly. the, the italian wars if 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 it were to be true this phantom times thing which is which is 110 percent not yeah um <laughs> then what it would mean is i mean no new scholarship is emerging and new scholarship is emerging all the time yeah it is so it'd be so it'd be insane but it would also kick off our we would really interrupt with our carbon dating. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we use historical documents to, uh, to try and ally up with carbon dating, and you use carbon dating to try and ally up with historical documents. You try and play them off against each other mm. and try and find a cross-reference, and that way, if they both agree, you kind of go, all right, maybe that's, maybe that's legit. And with Richard III discovering the car park recently, we, that, the carbon dating there can sort of give you that, that specificity scientifically, which then legitimises the documents that told us he was there. Yes, okay. So then we can kind of go, ah, oh, these docs are these are okay. Maybe we can look at them closely for something else. Oh, so yeah. that's a way of verifying. It's a way of verifying because wow, you're using the scientific method to sort of say, okay, this the archaeology is legit. So maybe the history is okay. Yeah. Physicists like to use really old lead for their experiments because it's it's quite um, it doesn't react with as many things. But that means mm. that they're trying to use a lot of archaeological items to make their experiments. Have you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, I've, I've I've heard about it briefly. I don't know. If that's, I mean, it supposed to make sense, wouldn't it? Maybe. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's not really great to deal with someone else's yeah. stuff. <laughs> this Richard III, can I borrow that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, got an, I've got an experiment on, just, you know, I need an old king. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I should that. mention that James yeah. was right that uh, there is a uh, theory which, in fact, sounds quite well founded that the Andorran constitution is a forgery, although this is in a book, so apparently it came from Charlemagne, it was signed, um, The Independence of Andorra was. This oh, we all know Charlemagne didn't exist. I think so. we've established <laughs> that. Uh... Although I am reading it in a book where they've spelt it's a book. It's Andorra Business Law Handbook, but they've spelt Charlemagne. Charlemagne. He was uh... a dog. He was a dog with a terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How trustworthy that uh, is. Okay. <laughs> So we're going to go on to, uh, we'll, do, we'll do Alex's fact now. Alex? All right, my fact is, um, it's about the most medically indispensable sea creature in the United States is um, the horseshoe crab. Are you aware of the 
No, go on. It's a wide, wide claim to make, isn't it? Yeah. How does that work? Well, so the horseshoe crab lives in the uh, very bacteria-rich uh, coastline, shallow waters in the uh, in the ocean. So in their early 20s, they were sort of seen as a nuisance, and they were ground up and, and used uh, as fertilizer and stuff and fed to pigs. And and now, every, every year, a half million horseshoe crabs are harvested, and they're brought into to factories by one of five companies all along the eastern coast of the United States. And they're bled alive, and their blood is baby blue. And if you can find a picture, it's, it's, it's incredibly interesting. And this blood, it detects any um, militia, uh, dangerous bacterial endotoxins, even at a concentration of one part per trillion. So the FDA requires that all drugs, all new drugs that are brought to market, be run uh, through this horseshoe crab yeah. blood. So every single person in the United States who's ever had an injection of any kind has had a drug that's been tested in this LAL test. Oh, that's amazing. That is incredible. It's unbelievable. And the blood per quart is $15,000. So they don't kill the crabs. So that's like, so people love that. Yeah, they just They bleed them, and then they take them on a boat all the way out to sea so they don't re-harvest crabs that they've already (laughs) bled. They're going to like a great holiday cruise. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have done a really good thing. (laughs) But they dump these guys really far out, and they notice that less and less of them are coming back. While you don't kill something when you take a lot of its blood, it does make it more lethargic and less likely to mate. But yeah, so that's so that to me is that's very exciting. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, like, that they have basically the best immune system of anyone. They yeah. do. We can use. Do you know, I, my favorite crab. There's a. Have you heard of the samurai crab? No, but oh, it sounds, that sounds like awesome. a movie. Yeah. Let's see this. It's very exciting. Sorry, Stephen. So, <laughs> basically, he back in the sideways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a superstition that samurai warriors, when they died, were reincarnated as these crabs because a lot of these crabs that came up had the pattern on their shell of a samurai face. That's and it brilliant. Became an, it became an evolutionary thing. So it was the samurai pattern that became the... Uh, that is brilliant. Wow. And so they would throw the ones that looked like a samurai back into the ocean. That's and brilliant. It became, it became, Are there other stories of animals selectively surviving like that? Because I've always well, wondered... Well, I think dogs are supposed to be a bit like that and cats and well, things. Cats, uh, cats domesticated themselves. Yeah, because cats, when they meow, they don't meow to other cats. They only do it to humans. Really? They've selected to meow just so that we would think they're little babies we domesticated dogs we you know deliberately took wolves and went please stop biting me i'd like you to be a dog please and the amazing thing is that you can domesticate an animal really really quickly there was a russian scientist who did it in the 50s with foxes uh i think it was, what was his name things with b i think biliadino or something like he, he took foxes feral wild angry foxes trying to eat his face and he just bred them and bred them and bred them and always taking the most docile cubs and bring Bel- them together Bel-yai. But he bred them together so that you ended up with these sort of more increasingly docile yeah. creatures. But the extraordinary thing that he discovered was that when you breed for physical characteristics, it also creates a personality chain. They became more sort of dog-like and more sort of fluffy-tailed and more sort of willing to, to follow around. But they also changed... More obsequious. But they, yes. But they, obsequious foxes. Obsequious fox. Yeah. Um, but they would also change their personality and demeanour and the fact they were respond to calls and so on. And he did that in like 10 generations. That's all it took. You know, there's been an awful lot of genetic testing recently because we, we can now do DNA analysis on animals. And, and we found that actually dogs are much older than we thought. So, so do we think that we, we got them for companionship or fighting or... It's like, probably hunting companionship. Because oh. we had pet bear. There are, there's definitely at least one pet bear that's been found in the Stone Age. Well, Byron had a 
a pet bear. Didn't Byron he? did have a pet bear. Byron had a pet bear. He took it yeah. to Cambridge with him. Took it to Cambridge because he wasn't allowed a dog, so he was a bit of a dick. And he before... said, going, "Fine, I'm gonna have a bear." Is this before or after he uh, founded the hamburger chain, or is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that the most ridiculous? Oh wait, someone kept a pet scorpion in a jar on his desk. I oh, read this in one of your books. Ipsen, yeah. I read that Ipsen. in one of the, the QI books, which are available in fine bookstores everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably the same books as Greg's book will be available in next year. Yes. All of it, all the shops. <laughs> yeah. Talk um, about obsequious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the extraordinary anyway, back to this sort of dog thing, yeah. quickly, the extraordinary thing is we obviously domesticated dogs because to do that you have to sort of take a wild, feral wolf that is trying to kill you and gradually tame it. But not, it's not taming, it's, it's breeding it. You take the runt of a litter and the runt of a litter, you bring them together and gradually you breed them and you create a new animal, and that is the dog. Amazing. Um, the amazing thing is that the, the oldest dog breed in the world is only sort of a thousand years old or something. Roman dogs don't exist anymore. So when you find the Roman dog at Pompeii, which we, we have found one, that breed no longer exists. It doesn't exist anymore. Wow. But, is it because they die out? Is well, the breeding they... programs change and you have sort of different needs for them, and, and animals are constantly evolving and changing, and we breed them a different way. You know, George Washington bred dogs. George Washington bred the American foxhound. He took a French foxhound from um, the Marquis de Lafayette and an English foxhound, and he bred them together and created the American foxhound. Wow. Um, and he was really obsessed with this. He was sort of a typical 18th century gentleman and was like, I'm going to breed an animal. But the amazing thing is, cats domesticated themselves. The oldest known cat, I think, is from Shilaboros, I think, in Cyprus. I think it's about 9,000 years old. Is there any truth to the, the story when people attach cats to their shields so yes. the Egyptians would Yes, I love this. This is the battle, I think, of Pelusium, I think, off the top of my head. Because so the Egyptians believed cats to be holy and revered. They had huge cat funeral monuments with like millions of buried cats. That they would, If your cat died, you shaved off your eyebrows and you would take your cat to this holy city of cats called They Bastes. found a load of mummies, didn't they? Mummified cats, yeah. like a million of them. Oh, yeah, huge one recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the city, I think, was called Bubastis. Named after the, I, th I think, I might have made that up. There's definitely a city. And they would bury the cats and they'd shave off their eyes. And it's working over time, by the way. <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry. No. No. Well, I never want to interrupt. So yeah. I've got a thousand tabs up with uh, information. We're it's great. All confirming I can't wait till the end of this section. But it's called Boobastic. Boobastic. Yes, good, right. okay, good. Obviously. I wasn't just making up some random name. But they worship cats. And uh, there's a famous story that uh, a Roman soldier was in his chariot and he ran over a cat and he was killed by an angry mob. But then uh, in the Middle Ages, people thought that cats were evil, didn't they? And they thought they had no soul. They thought they were witches' familiars. They used to be burned alive as well, Louis XIV, I think. But yeah, he did went to a burning ceremony, yeah, he did. didn't he? And, and he, he ceremony threw them onto the pyre. Wow. Uh, they used to be stoned. They were eaten alive. Eaten alive? Eaten alive. How do you eat well, a cat? There's a lot of decawing involved. Yeah, you just, you just grab it. You, I, guess you, I guess you hold out the legs and just start chomping. I don't know. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> They've gone from gods to being yeah. evil, and now we just put them on the internet and laugh at them. We'll be gods again, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we worship kittens. <laughs> Um, I'm going to quickly do my last yes. little fact. I found that um, we have 28 people that we know slept with Queen Elizabeth I, and that, <laughs> and that they were all women. Whoa! Uh, what? So when you, mean, when you say slept with, you slept mean in the same slept bed near. Yeah. Well, it, it, does not that sound right to you? Same bedroom. In the same bedroom? Yeah, same ah, bedroom. Okay. Um, the interesting thing about Queen Elizabeth, I actually made a documentary for Channel 5 a few years ago that was awfully ridiculous, where we sort of went, did she have a love child? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> did she, or...? Well, no. there, was no, there, there was a rumour she did, and ah, the Spanish okay. used it as propaganda, and, ah. and obviously I don't think she did. But um, about Elizabeth I, she probably didn't spend more than five minutes of her life alone. 
Oh. She was constantly surrounded by people. Like, everywhere she went, she was born oh. a princess, she was always going to be a princess, and then she was a queen, and then she died. Mm. So you have ladies-in-waiting who, of course, yeah. would, would sleep in the same room as her, and you'd have sort of truckle beds at the bottom of the bed, usually, they would sleep mm. in. or Bunk maybe beds, like? More of a sort of a pull-out little... Oh, like a cupboard. Yeah, almost like under the beds, like little, you know. But yeah. the, oh, these people cool. didn't really have any kind of private space. But the queen could never go, like, I want some alone time. Maybe, but we don't have any records for that. And you know what else? I don't think this time period ever existed. So So what does this fact mean then? Does it mean that she slept with way more than that? Basically, it's a way of bringing up this interesting fact that um, the monarchs would have sleeping partners for Mm. companionship and for safety and whatever. I read that Gandhi used to sleep with naked female virgins Mm. to, to test his chastity so they would lay next to him in bed. Wow. Yeah, and just so he could be like, mm, look how awesome I am. Yeah. <laughs> look at nothing. I don't want to knock Gandhi on our show, but... Uh, I'll knock Gandhi. But, Fuck it, that's weird. No, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he was caught the first time by his wife. Right. He's like, oh my God, you're having a affair. He's like, no, no, honey, honey, I am testing yeah. my chastity. Yeah. She's like, you're going to... So he's like, yeah, I'll do it every night. Like, <laughs> but there's a, there's a nice story, I think it's in the Bible. You might be able to help us more here, our resident Jew, but uh, it's uh, King David, I think, has a woman called... Is it Abishag? Who Abishag. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think she's, as if she's, she's the official human water bottle. He gets really old. Wow. He gets really cold. Yeah, and just really a woman old. that he cuddles with. Exactly. And she's a young, beautiful, beautiful virgin, and she gets in the bed with him, and her job is to warm him up at night. She's the one. Oh, she's the one. It, it has an interesting translation to 20th century care of U.S. presidents. Ah. And uh, it's, this is mentioned in my father's TED Med talk, which I did, didn't mean to plug this much. <laughs> considering it's probably only got like 20 views because the TED Med talk. And it's, we'll post like, that. We'll post this talk. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. post the talk. The QI, so. But, but uh, Eisenhower had a lot of heart attacks. Just like just like constantly having heart Every attacks. Morning, like he would yeah. wake up and he would go to a doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, he had a heart attack last night. <laughs> and like one, he, he, he was prescribed a prescription that he snuggled with Mamie Eisenhower. <laughs> but that basically was his like it was a fair prescription for a long time that literally to have like a cuddle buddy would calm him down would calm anybody down yeah but, like it was it was prevail it's been prevailing knowledge up until pretty recently that having someone to like snuggle like teddy bears there was there are some papers that in New England they used to circulate a lot because I guess New England is where I'm from I'm from Boston is is like I guess teddy bears sort of started in Vermont and again I'm sure a QI question is whether no, or not we, Teddy Roosevelt yeah we think so. Do you really? Yeah, do you think? The t- sorry, the teddy bear, Teddy Roosevelt thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's 1903, isn't it? Yeah. And he refuses to shoot a bear, is that right? He's hunting and he refuses yeah. to shoot Yeah, and it. Kermit Roosevelt was the first Westerner to shoot a panda or something really? stupid like that. Really? I might be wrong about that, so. Yeah. Um, just to interject, it wasn't just Kermit, it was Kermit and Theodore, Teddy's son, um, and they shot the panda together. So they both agreed that family they both outing. shot. Yeah, family outing. They both shot with their separate guns. Wow. And they both claim to be the first Westerners to kill giant to pandas. To kill giant pandas. Isn't that touching? That is yeah. so On that note. Yeah. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Up now, but if you want to ask any one of us any questions about the things we've spoken about today, you can get me on at Tridland. And yeah, I'm on at Egg Shaped. Uh, Alex, what are you on? Uh, I'm Alex underscore Edelman. And this is all Twitter we're talking about, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg like shouted into the air. <laughs> Alex underscore Edelman. <laughs> <laughs> he will appear. <laughs> uh, Greg, uh, I'm good. Greg underscore Jenna. Yeah, okay. And Anna's not on Twitter, uh, but she can be got on at Wikipedia, which is the main QI uh, Twitter page. We're going to
going to have a bunch of photos, I guess, and a, a Ted Med uh, <laughs> clip up on the QI. Oh, my father's going to kill me. Dot com <laughs> slash podcast. That's where you can find it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, so that was another edition of No Such Thing as a Fish. I'm going to call it special title, No Such Thing as uh, the Middle Ages. That's going to be the... Uh, oh, that's that'll be like on thing. the iTunes thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch you next week.